Eat, drink, smoke, or eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. What the insanity of this week in conversation inability, in recognition inability. We can't tell the difference between protests and riots. We can't simply say that protests are good and riots and destruction of property is wrong. We can't simply say that what happened to George Floyd is wrong and has to change. And that's to be something that's changed already. You can't have your knee on a guy's neck for eight minutes. But no, no, no. We've turned this into some political juggernaut of complete and total insanity where we say that violent rioters are somehow good. I'm so old that I remember that if you use the wrong pronoun, it was an act of violence. But now, if you commit acts of violence and destroy people's property, whether they're white or whether they're black or whether they're Christian or whether they're Jewish, whether they're Muslim or who knows of what they voted for, what have you, that's all. Well, you know, what do you expect? It, it has been horrible to watch America over the last week and yet still a little bit hopeful. Indeed. Uh, so Fingers Malloy is with me, and i got to tell you, much more on a tear than I am. Sat down and just went to town on me. Let's start with a drink. Let us start. You need God, one. I need one. You need one badly. We are doing the High West American Prairie bourbon. Now, we said we're only going to do things that you can, well, get at a, at a cost, because a lot of people still not working. Dude, we are not even prepared for the economic disaster that is going to continue to unfold. Here in Indiana, they just announced no Indiana State Fair. Unreal. Coronavirus, no Indiana State Unreal. Fair. Unreal. A thousand people can riot in New York, totally fine, but no Indiana State Fair. High West American Prairie is about $28 a bottle. Somewhere between 27 and 30 You take a look um, at what this is and how this is put together. It's a mash bill, 75% corn, 21% rye, and 4% Malted barley is where you, you, you usually find this. Um, it's supposed to have a fair amount of spice going on uh, with this thing. It's a, an interesting kind of mix of, of where uh, you are. And I have never seen this before in a review. Notes of menthol. I don't know what to do with that. I have no idea what to do with this. The High West uh, whiskey, uh, American Prairie bourbon. First, it's a fine nose. There's nothing. Is it caramel mixed with Vicks Vapor Rub? Is it that is. what it is? It is Vicks Vapo. It is really, it truly is. Uh, I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, a touch floral on, on the nose. And hand sanitizer? A little yeah. bit? Isopropyl alcohol. <laughs> That's exactly what I get. <laughs> What a weird, weird way to review it. All right, you ready? Yep. We do it neat and then uh, bring it to a cube if need be. Mm. Ooh. Now, I have come to the place where you got to take the sip. You went right to the cube. You didn't even... And we're, yeah. we're full rocks on this. Um, not just one sphere. We're full rocks. Uh, I'm going to do it again. Let me, let, me, let me try this again. You tell me what you think. Uh... I'm getting a, the floral, some, I don't know if it's oak, there's a, a wood flavor to it, and a little bit of a black licorice slash menthol taste. You're getting a cedar. Cedar. So you talk okay. wood. I think I'm there with you. Um, getting the floral notes? 
See, it it is floral, but not not in a bad way. Certainly, in 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 a good way. Um, that's not bad at all. It's harsher than I thought it would be. You feel it on the tongue. You don't feel it on the throat. You feel it mid chest. Um, I'm just gonna throw a couple of chips on there, just to see what happens. That is, that could go in the cabinet for twenty eight. Oh, absolutely. That no. could totally go in the cabinet for twenty eight dollars. American, wait, what, what was it again? It was High West American Prairie Bourbon. It's just, it's not one tone. It's got a couple of things going on there. With the floral, maybe it's a bit of butterscotch. Yeah, I just got that. On right? my second sip on the rocks, I felt a little butterscotch. So I want to see if the water opens that up. Um, so, so everybody understands where we are. Uh, in, in, at least, you know, for Fingers and I. And the only thing that... I mean, we may agree on a bunch of other things, but let's talk about the things we basically agree on. The cop was wrong. Yep. The cop should go to jail. There should be a trial. We're always innocent until proven guilty people. The cop should go to jail. Yep. The other cops, it's right that they're being charged. Yep. Um, anybody who watched that video of George Floyd getting killed, you can't be okay. You, there's no way you can be okay. Now, I will tell you that my first place was looking at it and saying, we can't do that to people. We can't have a police department that does that to people. Very different than saying we have a police department that does that to black people. Right? Right. So this whole conversation of bias and this whole conversation of lens, I want to start with the things that we can all agree on, then get into the places where we may, we may indeed have differences in the view. But I don't know why the difference in the view leads to such vitriol. I admit that I am lost to that because that's where I get into we're playing politics more than, we're, than, than we want to understand. More, much more than wanting to understand we want to play politics, we want to show how woke we are. I want to give you an example of woke. Our beloved Indianapolis, the mayor, who is terrible, Joe Hogsett, just announced that I think it's in called Garfield Park. They are taking down a Confederate monument. Now, I did not know there was a Confederate monument there. It, was a, it wasn't because Indiana fought for the Confederacy. Indiana fought for the North. In the Civil War. And in the center of Indianapolis, the, 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 the epicenter is called Monument Circle. There's the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, which is beautiful. You can actually walk all the way up it and you can get a view of very flat lands. Um, it is to those who have fought. And it, there's a whole side of the monument. It's an obelisk that talks about the fight for the North, you know, and, and, and freeing the slaves. So that's, that's Indiana. Indiana also has a history of being run by the KKK. Right. Right? That's not today. <laughs> That's not who Indiana is today. I love when people try and continue to, to push that. Oh, yeah, you know those people from Indiana? What are you talking about? It's like saying from someone from Alabama. You know those people from Alabama? <laughs> uh, this is not Alabama 1956. And secondly, George Floyd died in Minneapolis. Right. Right? The hotbed of liberalism is Minnesota. So it's enough with this these constant stereotype garbage kind of kind of positions the taking down of this monument is all posturing i don't mind that the monument is taking down i don't actually know enough about it to know whether or not i'm bothered because i don't know its historical significance and a bunch of other things but you knew it was there at least he running for mayor or being mayor he would know it's there you're taking it down because you want to show every black person in Indianapolis how much you care. That's not a reason to take something down. You take it down because fundamentally it's not part of who we are or it should never have been there. 
or America has changed and we're changing along with it, which is all fine stuff, by the way. I don't believe in whitewashing history, but it's okay to take down a monument if the society says, let's take this down. This is a reactionary position from a guy who is desperate to be seen as woke. Now, some people might say, better late than never. That might be a legitimately good opinion. But it is that kind of reaction that I simply don't know what to do with because it's clear that you're still not focused on the thing at hand, which as I see it is twofold. Number one, is there anybody out there who thinks that George Floyd being murdered somehow is something we don't, it it wasn't actually murder? And number two, if the conversation is understand that racism exists in America, I'm willing to do that. If you tell me there's systemic racism, I want to see the system. And on that, there seems to be this almost falling apart of what's going on. And then there's a follow-up even to that, which goes along the idea of, can we at least agree that I may have a different perspective than you, and you may have a different perspective than I, based on race? But it could be based on religion, it could be based on sexual orientation, it could be based on life experiences, a whole host of things. So that's... That watching that disease happen in America where we simply can't do it. And it's because people are so aggressive to the political. Like if you're talking to your neighbor, fingers, I think we can do it. Right. I think people can come and sit down and pull up a microphone. We can do it. But I'm talking about like on this mass scale, it seems totally gone. Yes. Ah, thank you. Well, <laughs> that was the Eatrix Smoke podcast. Look, we were all in agreement. We were all in agreement watching the video. We were all disgusted. We all saw this man get murdered. First things first, were we? Were we all disgusted? You, th- you, you don't think that? I, I, at least 95% of the population? That's what I'm going to take. I, I, I'd be horrified to see the people who are like, oh, no, it's just a cop doing his job. I'd be horrified yeah. by those people. I wouldn't let those people in my house. Uh, can we agree a vast, vast majority? The, 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 the free and decent and thinking people, yes. yes. The protests, happy to see it. If there's a, something oh, yeah. that could be positive that comes of this, if there's a movement towards reform in law enforcement, that's a good thing. I think we can all agree on it. I remember back in 2000, I worked for an auto manufacturer uh, they were a parts manufacturer, part of the big three. And I worked with a guy. He was in his mid-20s, uh, black, and he drove a Lexus. And this was in Anderson, Indiana. Okay? Population, I don't know, about 50,000 people, industrial town. And I, I was talking to him. I said, are you going to get rid of your Lexus now that you're working for this manufacturer that it focuses on the big three? And he said, yeah, but it's not because of that it's because I'm really sick and tired of driving down the street and every couple weeks getting pulled over for no reason because I'm driving a Lexus and I'm a young black man right you hear that and you're like man that's not right it's not right he's not breaking the law but he feels like it's every other week he's getting pulled over mm-hmm. for some ridiculous reason, and then the cop starts asking him questions, sees he's legit, and lets him go on his way. I think most fair-minded people will look at that and say, that's wrong. That, that shouldn't be happening. Right. But then when you 
look at that and you see people protesting, law enforcement doing stuff like that, and then it gets dark outside. The sun sets and people start throwing bricks. People start destroying property. People start launching things at the police. That's where you lose so many of us. And I cannot believe in the last three years, you brought this up earlier. If I misgender someone, it's considered hate speech. And hate speech is violence. But if a social justice warrior for a cause that they believe is just goes out into downtown Indianapolis and takes a brick and throws it through a window, well, that's speech. Yeah. And you should understand that. You should accept that. That's, you just have to understand they're, 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 they're venting. You know, the riot is the language of the unheard. Yes. Which is, by the way, a bastardization of what Martin Luther King said. And it, there was a great write-up in National Review. Martin Luther King gave two speeches about the other America, one in 1967, one in 1968, about two and a half weeks before he was assassinated. In both of those speeches, he discusses the fact that the riot is the language of the unheard. That conversation is about saying when people feel that they have no other voice, they will get your attention one way or another. His argument was, wrapped around that statement, that the riot doesn't work. That the riot doesn't get you what you want. That the riot turns people off. That being committed to nonviolence, he actually used the term in a speech in Gross Point, Michigan, militant nonviolence is the only way to get to what you want. So when people go through this, the riot is the language of the unheard nonsense, it's a misquote of the intentions of Martin Luther King, and that's, that's just pretty disgusting. Well, the other thing that's disgusting that I've seen a lot lately from our betters in the blue check mark smart set from the mainstream media and on the left is if someone's small business was destroyed in a riot, well, at least you have ins- you've got insurance. Let's keep our eyes on the prize. At least you didn't get killed. Right. It's, it's, it's not a life. Is that a, is that a new normal? Not is, in my is, world. Is, is that the new attitude? So say if you're a woman uh, and you're at work and your boss comes up to you and says, Hey, good morning, sugar tits. Whoa. Am I is the boss? Is someone in HR allowed to say, "Well, listen, that's terrible," but at least he didn't kill you, right? You know, uh, or if you misgender someone, you mm-hmm. know, and you get upset because you've been misgendered, is the acceptable response? Well, at least he didn't kill you. So you you are a hundred percent right, and I want to take a step back to something about protests and riots. Protest is always fine. I've done my fair share of it, and so have you. Um, and I'm absolutely in for protecting protesters with everything in me. Riot is not protest. Destruction of property is not protest. It never has been. It never will be. It's a very different thing. And first thing I want to get into is people making the worst connection point ever, which is saying, well, you didn't mind uh, the Boston Tea Party. Throwing the tea into the harbor was telling King George to kiss off. You want to go throw tea into the harbor, knock yourself out. Yes, it's the destruction of property. But it was the destruction of property of King George. That's what it was. It was about the idea, very clearly, that here was this government being oppressive. When they burnt down the third precinct police station, I wasn't in favor of it. But at the very least, you could understand that they had a targeted thing. When you destroy a business in a downtown, you don't know anything about that business nor that business owner. The business community is the only diverse community in America. 
It's not the black community that's not diverse. The gay community is not diverse. The Jewish community is not diverse. They're not diverse communities. They're fiefdoms. The diverse community is the business community because it engages all of those people. You don't know anything about them. You don't know their sexual orientation. You don't know their predilections. You don't know a single thing. And you went about destroying and it got you nothing. It didn't make your point more solid. It didn't help your protest. It didn't help move your message. It didn't help heal America. It didn't help America get to a better place. All it did was make people now question the protesters, which is awful because the protesters want to put a message out. I'm still, I will admit, shaky on the message. If the message is we can't allow police to do this to American citizens, to black citizens, okay. Every time we see one of these things where a white officer kills a black man, because they won't talk about when black officers kill black men, and you still look at the, at, the, at the data, and you will see that more white people are killed at the hands of police than black people. You will see that. But there are more news stories about black people being killed. So when someone tells me, or I say, actually I said this a lot on air, that a black mother has a different conversation with her black son than a white mother has with her white son, I think that's pretty obvious based on what they're seeing day in and day out. Yeah. But I want to know in a much more clear way what protesters want. If you say you want justice for George Floyd, the cops were fired and the first cop was arrested. And now all the cops have been arrested and charged. And as a matter of fact, the charge against uh, Chauvin, Derek Chauvin, the cop who had the knee on his neck, has been upgraded from third degree murder to second degree murder. Third degree murder is a Minnesota thing. Uh, and I didn't know that. Uh, Judge Napolitano, Fox News. Is like, oh yeah, you've got second degree. As a matter of fact, I think you have first degree. Because you can argue there was no premeditation when the cop first put his knee on the neck of George Floyd. But after the fourth minute, maybe there was. Well, what about motive? We don't know. We, you know we've, we've been told that they at least worked at the same place at some time. It we still hasn't know, come yeah. out how well they knew each other. It's if so they weird. Did. They were both doormen, bouncers at the same club. Um but I don't I, – people want to talk about uh, George Floyd. He had, he had uh, fentanyl in his system. and that, I don't care. No. It, the, the issue here is what the cop did. I don't think you have to put the guy into sainthood, but you have, to, you have to look at what the police did. And that's where I want the focus on. I don't know why the rule already hasn't been changed. And, the, and, and so to that, the, on the protester side, I just want them to be able – to have more time to be able to articulate specifics to the thing that they're opposed to. If you're going to run around screaming F-12, right. but 12 is a designation of the police. Some people think it's a DEA designation. Some people think it's a reference to Adam-12, the old television show. Um, well, that doesn't do anything. I don't think that gets you where you want to be. Protesting is marketing. And very, these pe- very often people don't get it. You're trying to move a message and get people on your side. It's persuasion. It is all these things. So get them on your side by having, I think, a clearer message. I think I have an understanding, but someone could tell me, oh, no, no, it's deeper than that or it's more than that. Well, it's two different protesters, too. You have protesters who are legitimately pushing back against what they believe as a system that is stacked against them when it comes to law enforcement. Right. Then you have Antifa. You're seeing the messages that are spray-painted, and it isn't all Black Lives Matter. You see the graffiti on buildings, Free Palestine, Burn the Banks. What does that have to do with George Floyd's death? You've seen signs that say Free Palestine? Free Palestine. Okay. I've seen uh, you know when they, they've attacked banks 
and some people right next to the banks say burn the banks. What's that have to do with George Floyd? You have a group of individuals who are trying to push an anti-capitalist agenda using this protest as a means to do it. And what's really sickening is they're doing it on the back of a corpse of a black man. And it makes me sick to my stomach that they're using this as an opportunity to try to push an anti-capitalist agenda hiding behind legitimate protesters. So now we're into into the rioter. Um, And again, defend the protester. Defend the protest. Defend the protester. And utilize the National Guard to defend the protesters. Mm -hmm. And a way that you do that is to take down the rioters. Rioters are not peaceful protesters. But the rioters, they just like to see things burn, man. They are the people who want to burn it all down. They want to destroy things. They love destroying things. They're never happier than when they're destroying things. And that's why they don't deserve... If your conversation's about capitalism, you got it wrong. Capitalism creates wealth, and wealth creates freedom and opportunity, and it's a good thing. It ain't the issue. No one should even begin to think that it's the issue. But your, your, your point that they, the, the rioter has proven that they're unserious, and their message is a bunch of garbage... It is. And these people should be discounted. The problem is it hurts the protester in, in, in the larger sense. But now becomes it goes a little bit deeper. Because this whole thing with Drew Brees, it, it is eye-opening and stunning, yet for many people confusing. Drew Brees was asked a question, and he was asked a question about kneeling for the national anthem. Colin Kaepernick. And he said his thing, that he doesn't appreciate anybody disrespecting the flag. And when he sees the flag and puts his hand over his heart, he thinks about his grandfather who fought in World War II and it brings a tear to his eye. And we shouldn't disrespect the flag. Well, other players and teammates and, and other athletes went crazy as if somehow they're more woke. I, I, I have an issue hearing LeBron James try and woke me. But... The argument was, first it was about Kaepernick. You think he was taking a, you think he's taking a knee was disrespecting the flag? Well, his taking a knee was supposedly, ostensibly about police brutality. And what I said then, on the air, was uh, you, you didn't move your message. Because it's marketing, baby. Right. And what you did is you took a game that people want to watch to escape things. You brought it to their doorstep, and you didn't even bring the message. All you did was disrespect the flag in their eyes. And everyone discounts the in their eyes. Oh, you see, the problem is they're not educated. They don't know what he meant. No, no, no. They saw what they saw. They saw what they saw. A guy who wears socks that has cops, uh, uh, pigs in cop hats, he hates cops. He doesn't now get to tell me about... About justice. He doesn't now get to tell me about decency. Colin Kaepernick lost that right. And if people don't want to understand that, well, then to utilize their words against them, they got to get educated. Well, they, they got to get woke. And I'll get to go ahead, but I'll, I'll continue well, in a second. I, I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with the protests in Lansing, Michigan, how messaging matters and how while I agreed with the protest, I didn't think it was effective to show up at the state capitol, like you're oh, at a... With AR-15s? Yeah. Ruining the message. We did talk... I forgot we talked about that. You're 100% right. So what is the goal of your protest? Is it messaging? Is it trying to persuade people who are on the fence? Or is it trying to 
stick it in the ribs a little bit. It, it, and, and to me, if you, you're, you're talking about Kaepernick, okay, the, the kneeling is one thing, but when you're wearing pig socks, right, you're going to lose a lot of people who want to go along with your message. Undoubtedly, you're going to lose a lot of those people. But now I want to get back to what Breeze said and what the response was. And the response was, Drew, my grandfather fought in World War II and he came back to a country that hated him because he's black. Now that, I, I think, I, while I wished it was in, in that kind of loving way, I mean, one of the guys who said it was a receiver, uh, for I think for the Saints, I'm forgetting his name, I'm sorry, and he was impassioned about it, he was upset about it, and I'll, and I'll give the man his, his, his absolute anger at that moment. But that's a legitimately good point. What you, Drew Brees said nothing wrong in that he doesn't want people disrespecting the flag because this is what he sees and what he feels. And if we're going to be the people who argue that's his truth, <laughs> don't you dare take that from him. Right. But Drew was answering a question where other people are talking about what they view as the injustice, and in some cases is, and saying, but that's not how we see it. It's the same way how we don't see police the same way you do. And that there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think Drew Brees had to apologize the way he did. But in, in terms of, oh, I should spend more time listening. Spending more time listening is what you say when you want out of a conversation. No, I want to spend more time engaging. I want to spend more time sharing. It's, it's a tough position to be in. Because this is the same reason, in my mind, why Colin Kaepernick didn't get a job. You're the face of the franchise, okay? When you're the face of the franchise, when you're the leader of the team, you have to be Tom Brady. You have to be Peyton Manning. You have to be bland, opinionless. You can't... It's, it's difficult to have controversial opinions because you don't want to yeah, okay, be a, but, a polarizing figure in the locker so, room. So, so that's not how Kaepernick saw it. Kaepernick saw it as, I have this platform, I have to utilize it. And he's out right? of a job now. Kaepernick's out of a job now because he's not as good of a quarterback as he would like to think he is, and he's out of a job because the NFL doesn't want, as you talk about very often, Thank you. doesn't want controversy. They want things to go smooth in a locker room. And they don't want any guy. Teams don't want any guy who thinks he's above the team. There's, there's a teamwork aspect to that. But Kaepernick failed in being able to move a message because he contradicts his own message with his attitude. He is the radical. He views himself as a radical. He has positioned himself as a radical. A radical who's endorsed by Nike, by the way. Yeah. A radical with millions, but that's how he endorsed and pushed and positioned himself and won't take responsibility for that. If you think it's okay to, to, to wear those socks, if you think it's okay to be like, yeah, you know, uh, screw comps and F comps and all, well, uh, it's harder to take your message seriously. However, in the conversation about Drew Brees... Well, isn't that a conversation about perspective? Now, truth about police brutality comes in the numbers. Perspective comes from points of view. And people can have different perspectives. Is it possible to get to a place where we say, no, there is not systemic racism in police departments? 
However, there are things we can change to ensure a better outcome for black Americans and all Americans. Now, I admit, I'm always the all-Americans guy. I view everything in that lens. Everything I do is based on the Liberty Conversation. My, my personal disgust and disdain for socialism, for communism, for Marxism. As we're recording this, this is the 31st anniversary of Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square. You, people know Tank Man. What they don't know is the story of these students that wanted democracy and started protesting. And by the time we got to June 4th, June 5th in 1989, there were a million protesters in Tiananmen Square. And the Chinese communists rolled in and killed people by the thousands. We don't even have the final numbers. What people know is that line of 13 tanks and this one guy with two shopping bags like he's grandma with the babushka coming back from the wall bounds in Brooklyn. And standing there in front of the tank and stopping it from moving. Yeah. Right? I despise communism. I hate it with everything in me, and it is one of the reasons watching and seeing and understanding and studying why I'm a liberty guy. And when I take a look at George Floyd, my response was not, what are they doing to that black man? What are the police doing to that citizen? It's not that I didn't notice he was black. You know, people are like, oh, I don't see color. I don't know about you. I see color. I see everything. I see color, uh, I, I, I see shoes, I see breast size, I see it all, young man. And may I say, fingers, you look great today. Thank you. Um, I'm a B-cup. <laughs> of course I see things. I'd be lying if I said I didn't. The question is, what do you do with that stuff? And I don't then say, oh, i got to leave or I can't talk to you or anything like that. But I see the citizen, and it is police brutalizing a citizen, and I don't like government brutalizing citizens. Well, I don't like being offered a false choice. That's what bothers me. You know, when the vice president came out last week and said, I am for peaceful protests, I saw so many people say, oh, well, if you're for peaceful protests, why did you walk out of that football game when they were kneeling at the start of the national anthem? It's like, listen, that's yeah, it's so ridiculous. Just because you're for peaceful protests doesn't mean... That means you automatically have to agree with everyone's point of view and everybody's protest. And the same thing goes with this Drew Brees situation. I think if you ask Drew Brees, Drew Brees would agree with his teammates. I think he's been pretty clear. I think most Americans are pretty clear and on the side of, okay, there needs to be some reform, obviously. But I don't agree with your methods, I agree with you, but I don't agree with how you're protesting. But you can't even do that. It's like if you say, listen, I I just don't think it's right for you to to kneel during the national anthem. It's like, that means, well, then you're part of the problem. You're the enemy. Right. Well, then you really don't want me as an ally then, do you? I want to help you. By the way, the stories about Drew Brees and the people he helps and what he's done for New Orleans, what he's done for people uh, in other countries. Canceled. canceled now I, I, and i reject i won't have that I, I i can't live like that the answer is no i don't give anybody that power sorry i am in control of what i choose and i don't give anybody that power uh, to cancel someone not not in my eyes not for me no no shot no chance that shouldn't happen and if that's the way it's going to be you're with me or you're against me based on criteria that you don't even get to have a say in that's another problem that's a whole separate conversation but I won't let it allow me to take away from the fact that I, I don't know what reform means, right? Because it can mean something different to everybody. On the, just on its face, that technique 
has to go. You can't put your knee on somebody's neck. You for eight minutes. You can't put your knee on somebody's neck. I, I have a few we, ideas. We, we can't. We can't simply say police departments. We don't do that anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't. I don't even know how we're still here. I have a friend who's a retired police officer. He was a, a, a cop in Columbus, Ohio. He's close to sixty now, African American, and he talked about what it was like in his department. And he said there were factions. There were police officers who tried to be good civil service servants who tried to be a part of the community, be kind, caring, and then you had the hard asses. And there was peer pressure to be a hard ass. And if you weren't a hard ass, you were looked down upon. You were looked differently in the department. That stuff needs to be cleaned up. Another thing that needs to be cleaned up, okay, this, this officer that put his knee on George Floyd's neck, he had, what, 18 different complaints against him yes, over the some, years? 17 or 18. 17 or 18. In a 19-year career. Now, my problem is, and I'll let you finish, it sounds like a lot to me, but I would need to speak to officers to find out if that's a lot or a little. Do the complaints happen more if you work certain beats, if you work certain departments? Like, There's just data that I personally want. It certainly sounds like a lot, it's, but, I, but that's me just uh, no i agree with you with that where i was going with this though was if some of those complaints were justified and were bad did the police union protect him to keep his job and there we are with the second thing we can do it's time to take a look at police unions we talk about bad teachers we know bad teachers are protected by teachers unions because the union exists to protect the teacher and take the dues the same thing is true with police. When you get arrested, they'll ask you a hundred questions. Oh, why do you need a lawyer? Only guilty people need lawyers. So, and you, a cop does something wrong. You're not allowed to look at him. Three lawyers and four union reps show up. And you're not allowed to ask a question. The whole thing. I don't think cops can really deny that. And this is not an anti-cop screed. This is taking a look at whether or not police unions keep bad cops on the force. Now, maybe police unions do things like protect cops from political mayors so somebody who does something wrong isn't immediately just tossed aside like for example Drew Brees you disagreed with him now you're just going to toss him aside this whole everything he's ever done it's just nonsense it's not a way to act or react and if your answer is well look what they did to George Floyd that's just they did that to George Floyd I'm asking you what you're doing to Drew Brees right give the man a chance to breathe and go back if, if also if we're going to have a true conversation about law enforcement and race in this country and not a monologue, which it typically turns into, another thing that we need to have a discussion about, and I'm going to let my libertarian flag fly. Your freak flag? Freak, freak flag. Freak flag? Yeah. I'm going to let it fly here. At some point, we have to examine how many laws we have in this country. And if we have to continue passing laws, we need less law enforcement regular Joe interaction than so, more. This theory that you are now tapping into, it, it, I guess it's a libertarian theory, but uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm more of a conservative than a libertarian. It goes along the idea, finger, the fingers Malloy has been pushing now for years, that there are simply too many laws. And the reason there are too many laws is so that no matter what you are doing at any one time, you are breaking a law. 
So it can be found very much. It ties into the idea of Beria. Now, Beria was, uh, we're talking about the Russians, the, the, the Russian, the, 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 the communist, and it wasn't secret service, special service. There's a, a word for it. And his famous quote is, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Which is to say, you give me somebody, you give me enough time, I'll find something they did wrong. Yeah. We create more and more laws, more and more regulations, and you create a society where more and more people are doing things wrong. Eric Garner is where this should have all happened. Eric Garner was the black man in New York who got choked out. And those cops got fired, by the way, because the chokehold was illegal, and whatever the case may be there. But why did they go after Eric Garner? He was selling loose cigarettes. And some, some government agency wasn't getting their tax dollars because this guy was selling loose cigarettes. You killed a man for loose cigarettes? That's insane. Well, George Floyd, $20 bill? Is that what we're talking about? 20, 20, yeah. Or at least $20 check or whatever? Uh, look, I, I have seen it several times. I was pulled over a few years ago. I brought it up on the show. I got pulled over for going seven over in a local community in uh, suburban Indianapolis. And the police officer took my license and registration, ran my record. It was clean. Ran my driving record. Had a good driving record. Came back to me and said, listen, you got a clean driving record, but I've been ordered to write a ticket to everyone I pull over. So rather than giving you a ticket for going seven over and it would cost you $150, I'm going to write you a ticket for not wearing your seatbelt, even though you're wearing your seatbelt, because that'll only cost you 25 And I was in a position where I had to thank that officer, and it made me sick to do it, but oh, I had to. I'm sorry you did that. I, but that's the because he's given me a $125 break and that's one of the problems we have is too many local communities are looking at law enforcement as a revenue generator instead of keeping the peace i have a problem with this new driving while texting law it's just another you shouldn't drive and text you should not be texting while driving you shouldn't have your your phone but there in your shouldn't hand. be a law but there shouldn't be a law that shouldn't be another reason for law enforcement to pull people over and to write a ticket. The adversarial relationship, and I've talked about this, is the problem. We have an adversarial relationship with police. And police don't recognize, like media doesn't recognize their failings. Police don't recognize that they're part of that adversarial relationship. When police cars have the lights that get slimmer and slimmer profile, and there's less and less decals on the car, and you can't even tell if it's a cop car, that's meant to, 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 to surprise you. That's not a way to treat citizens. When the cops in Chicago set up a sting by which they have a tractor trailer filled with shoes and they leave it kind of open and see who will steal the shoes, I'm not saying you shouldn't steal the shoes. I'm saying you did that to set people up. Right. That's sick. They weren't doing anything wrong. You put the bait out there in hopes that they would do something wrong and some people lost themselves to temptation. Well, and, and, and what happens when they pass these laws is they start getting that ticket revenue. I've, I've mentioned on the show previously, in Michigan in the 70s, when they got, 70s, early 80s, when they got the seatbelt law passed, it was a secondary violation. They said, we will never be able to pull you over 
just for not wearing your seatbelt. And then they started getting that sweet, sweet seatbelt ticket revenue. And then it turned into, well, you really should wear your seatbelt. We can pull you over. Next thing you know, you have police officers with binoculars on overpasses looking into cars to see if you're wearing your seatbelt. It's getting out of control, and we need to look at police officers as peacekeepers and not tax collectors. Because these are unpassed tax increases. We are drinking. Oh, it's good. The High West American Prairie. I, I, I just said three cubes. It opened up beautifully. Mm. And the best is Fingers is drinking his. And our, our fine uh, waitress stopped by to see if we were okay. And she took his empty uh, glass because he put it on the cubes and then brought him another one. You, you don't have to work tomorrow, do you? No, I no, don't. you're good? Yeah, this is good. Excellent. Uh, Fanimation, fantastic sponsor. Ceiling fans, you are going to love. Indoor or outdoor, for your home, for your office, for your business, wherever you need them. Fanimation makes incredible ceiling fans that are totally customizable. However you want them to look, however you want them designed, they've got you covered. All the options, all the opportunities, all the everything. Fanimation, fanimation.com for your ceiling fans. Find them on Facebook as well. Fanimation, do that, do that immediately. Check it out, get it done. Let's move on to the smoke, shall we? Because we should continue this. Uh, I wanted to make sure we picked things that were well-priced. So that's why we did uh, the, the, the High West. And honestly, I got to admit, it, it does have a bit of burn in the mid-chest, which maybe you won't go for. But at 28 bucks, you can go for it. At 28 bucks, it's worth giving a, a shot to. We're smoking the Herrera Esteli. This is the Maduro. This is a definite mid-full smoke. Um, this is a Brazilian wrapper uh, with a Connecticut River uh, broadleaf Nicaraguan inside. It comes from uh, the Drew Estate, La Grande Fabrica, uh, their, their, their maker, their, their, their factory. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, out of Nicaragua, I am a fan. Now, this uh, is uh, the, well, this is the Toro. So this is a 6x52. So six is how long it is. So it's six inches long. T. And he's always laughing. And then 52 is the ring gauge, so how thick it is around. T. So 64 would be a full inch around. It's a nice size cigar. It's a well-constructed, well-built uh, cigar. I will admit, uh, I don't think mine had the perfect humidification. It was a little, a little hard. I've had to, if you find that your cigar is a little hard. T. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you very much. Um, what you got to do is your thumb and your finger, and you just got to pinch it and roll and pinch it and roll, and you can loosen it up. And it sometimes is the way it's wrapped. It could have just been a tight wrap. It could be the humidification. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Drew Estate. Drew Estate is one of these things where you find it in cigar places or you don't, and they like to play in that world of scarcity, so you can't get everything. Uh, and sometimes they're a giant pain in the butt. They really and truly are. The cigars they make... I like. The Radzilla, I'm a huge fan of. The Feral Flying Pig, to me, is just... I don't know why. That cigar is sensational. I adore it. They've got some really interesting stuff uh, in, in the, the 9, the, T, the, the, the T52, uh, something called the Stock Cut. They can get cigars up to 30 bucks. Don't get me wrong. You can spend some money on this. This is eleven ninety five. Nice. So if you're looking for things that are on the lower end, but definitely smokable, enjoyable, this is one of them. This is not... A golf course cigar. This is if you have two hours after you've played golf. This is your back deck on an early evening. And I think this has got enough of a flavor profile uh, in it to work on a, on a humid night, to work on a, on a summer night. 
right? I think that's what this uh, can do here because you've got a bit of red pepper that comes off of this. Also, it pairs very well with the High West because you get that wood note. There's a cedar note that kind of runs in there. There's also a good coffee note. So this could be a good end of end of the day with a coffee if you want to do that, like a weekend thing. Because I'm telling you, the, the coffee pairing is 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 the everything. Absolutely for me, the everything. But this goes very nicely. This is a strong, solid. You could the cigar actually has a bit of heft. Yeah, is is the best way to describe I, I, it. And it, this may be an issue with the humidity, like you said. Uh, I'm having a difficult time, and you are too, keeping it lit. Yeah, right now. But we'll see as we get into it. Now, I'm squeezing. You can actually see where some of the leaf is coming apart. Yeah, I would not. I've had many of these. Right, they've got the Habano. This is the Maduro. Then you've got uh, the Norteño, which is another one. I've never had this problem before. So it's either specific to this box or these cigars, or to something going on in the humidor. So if you have that problem, work through that because I think the cigar is worth working through it. If you can't, and you gotta toss it, that stinks. Don't think it's a cigar. I've had to toss my first cigar that I, you know, I am not one who likes to order cigars online. I like to shop local, but I've come across a couple of deals where I could order a bunch of cigars online and get a free humidor. I got the uh, one from yeah. Thompson Cigar. Uh, they got a tw- uh, was a 20 uh, cigar. Is it working? Yes. Very nice. Oh, I'm mean, good. It, it, I, look, I, I'm not going to say it's the, the best humidor in the world, but for what I paid for it, which was $20 for 11 cigars, a lighter, a cutter, and a humidor, I'm pretty happy. Right. Uh, I got this other deal the other day. Uh, it was six cigars um, and a travel humidor. Uh, the whole five cigars. Uh, and I got my first really bad cigar from one of these online retailers to where I looked at it in my humidor and it's been in my humidor for a week and my humidor right now is at uh, 69% humidity and the wrapper is cracked and actually unraveling a little bit. So it, it, yeah. it may be a humidity issue, but I, I find it hard to believe if my, my humidity is anywhere from 68 to 70% that it's my humidor. Mm. Well, you might for that humidor might need a higher humidity. I mean, you, you play with it and you kind of you kind of figure it out. I find it interesting that you do more of the online buying. I, I'm not really an online buyer, although I, people swear by, and they should be a sponsor of the show, uh, they swear by cigar bids, right? So let me, hold on, I'm going to actually well, go and to And like it. I said, normally I, I do like to shop local. It's just when I saw, I only had one small humidor, and I needed a travel humidor, and I came across mm-hmm. it, and then that other humidor, I was like, okay, I'll buy these cigars online and see yeah. what I'm going to get. I use the plural, cigarbid.com, B-I-D. And you can bid on cigars, and so there's like a way to bid up, and then they've got a thing where they bring the price down, and the first person to say yes gets the deal. That's interesting. Right? Uh, And I know some people who have uh, done that and and gotten cigars that way. Um, I think right now, I I don't think I'm in a position to tell people post-coronavirus that you should... You shouldn't do that. If you can find them at a, at a better value, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell people no. I just like supporting local places. By the way, we're at Havana Cigar Lounge in Fishers, Indiana. It is a restaurant. It is a bar. It is a cigar lounge. Great, wonderful place. Havana Cigar Lounge. VIP. Um, why blend our normal spot? Still not open because of coronavirus. Still. See, not I thought Marion open. County opened things up. Ah, blend is classified as a tavern. And they can't open until June fourteenth. Good because Lord. we all live in insanity. This, by the way, is June fourth. Yeah, so that's their problem. Because science, right? Right. They aren't spitballing. It's just it's it's science. If you take a look uh, at uh, a story from theweek.com, 
Top Republicans are reportedly getting very worried about Trump's re-election odds. Coronavirus? Unemployment? Riots. Does this, or how does this, affect 2020? First, does it? And then if you believe it does, how? Oh. We're talking... In, <laughs> it's the look the first, on your face. Well, it's the first week of June. Yeah. You know, listen, I, we, we talked about this off the air. The campaign ads are going to write themselves for the, the Trump campaign. When you have stories from Reuters that people in the Biden camp are contributing to funds to bail out rioters, if he is able to get the streets calm again, if he restores law and order, and he can look at Biden and Democrats and tie them to Antifa or Antifa or however you want to pronounce it and say, these guys are not condemning the violence like they should. They certainly aren't being asked the kind of questions that Republicans would be asking if the Tea Party and the Tea Party days were holding protests and they turned violent. There would be a microphone in front of every Republican to denounce the Tea Party, and you're not seeing any of that. And we can, that's a whole other discussion about how disgusting the mainstream media is right now. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's going to be a silent majority that's going to look at this and say, don't Portland my America. That's what they're going to say. <laughs> I, you, you, the left is overplaying its hand. Oh, that's so good. The left is overplaying its hand, and they're embracing... Their silence is embracing the violence. By them not condemning, openly condemning Antifa, like Republicans would have to if this were a right-wing movement, and, and to have Biden staffers contributing to having rioters being bailed out of jail... And celebrities... Do, listen, uh, they've said they want to bail out protesters... Rioters are not protesters, and so if you're bailing out rioters, we've got ourselves a serious, serious issue. But I, I, I do want to go back to, 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 to something. Um, it wasn't the celebrity thing. It was, it was God. I, you said so much, and I'm, I'm and I'm and I'm losing it. Um, dang it, dang it! I forgot what I was going to say. It's like the second time in the past week I forgot what I was going to say about what you're talking about. Don't Portland. Uh, my America stuff. Sorry, it made me laugh, and you know, uh, and, and and move on. Um, the people who won't recognize that riots aren't protest. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a massive problem. I think it's a serious a serious issue, and that has to be dealt with. In 1968, Chicago Democratic National Convention, the riots that took place, that got you Richard Nixon, right? Right. Law and order conversation. I don't think people understand how badly Americans detest the destruction of property. How how disgusted they are by it. They don't accept it as a rational form of 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 anything. They really and truly don't. They'll accept protest. It's kind of who we are. They're not going to accept rioting. So I think to that point then I think Trump does better because they're going to see it as a law and order thing. When he came out and said, governors, you've got to get tough. You can't be weak. That wasn't an attack on, on protesters. He's been very clear about that. Now, the one thing he hasn't done is given the big warm and fuzzy speech. Right. 
Now, there are two reasons. Number one is that nobody would believe him. Right. The press wouldn't believe him. The press would just eviscerate him, and then the whole thing would, would, would fall apart, and, and that would be it. Here's the number two. Here's the number two. He can't do it. Right. He's, he's not built for this. No. It's not his wheelhouse. No, but if you were an alien watching all of this, you would say to yourself, wow, did AutoZone kill George Floyd? Wendy's? Target? CBS? Is that who killed? But if you're an American, you look at that and you're disgusted. My concern, and listen, Twitter is not the real world. I'm not claiming that it is. But I saw too many people on social media when all this was going down saying things like, burn it all down. How much of the base of the Democratic Party and people who are too far left to even consider themselves Democrats that that look at the Democratic Party and say, oh, they're just a bunch of Republicans. They're so far (laughs) to the left. Right. How many of those people are out there saying burn it all down and especially when they're saying burn it all down because it's not their neighborhood now this this is what I was going to talk about because you brought something up about the rioters everybody understands that the rioters are white as well as they are black right everyone understands that the the connection point between the rioters is not racial justice or George Floyd or anything else it's about liberalism and wanting destruction. Now, are there white supremacists amongst the rioters? Probably. I know people don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. You they think, think, really? Oh, I think if there's an opportunity for some people who hate to help paint other people in, in, in a bad light, I think they do it. And since we know this to be true, why would I ever doubt that that part is true? But to doubt that Antifa is involved is to pretend that the world doesn't exist. It is to deny reality. Antifa are not anti-fascists. They are fascists. That's who they are. That's all they've ever been. That's all they'll ever be. When you watch them destroy the ICE building in Portland, when you watch them turn the streets into their own, into their own personal toilets to the point where it was a hazmat area, these are violent people. You saw them not allowing traffic to go this way, punching people that way. You look at what they did to journalist Andy No. Uh, spelled NGO, last name, no. These are violent, despicable people, and of course they're part of the rioters. And you see these videos of these of the people who organized the protests screaming them, what are you doing? The black women saying, what are you doing? They're going to blame that on us? Why are you doing this to us? And they're like, eh, bleh, bleh, and then they, 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 they go off. Meanwhile, they've painted spray paint everywhere, uh, and, and they've broken things everywhere. Of course. What's even worse is they'll say stuff like, I'm doing this for you. Mm. Now, I'm doing this for you. Right. It, there's, uh, there's a great, great comic by the name of Sonia Schmidt. A man, I wish she would get back uh, out to doing comedy. A, she is a statuesque black woman in California who I did tea party work with. I actually I did an event with her. I did some radio with her. She's wonderful. And she tells a joke. That when uh, she's at a party or something and she mentions that she's a conservative, uh, these white liberals go, oh, and to think of all we've done for you. Right? It's so, when she says it, it's much better than what I say. It's so good. It is so powerful in, in that reality. Uh, the, these, these 
white liberals who want to tell you how to be woke and how they care and you don't care about right. about yourself. I have seen so many examples online in the last week, and I admire these protesters for calling these violent people out. Oh, unbelievably. There's a, a video, I believe it's front, in front of the White House, there's a young black woman standing next to metal barricades. And there are two white Antifa guys who are trying to push the barricades down. And she's turning to them and saying, getting in their faces, saying, stop it. Don't do that. They're going to shoot me. They aren't going to come after you. They're going to shoot me. And one of them looks at her and says, they're going to shoot you anyway. And continues to try to push the barricades. Damn. It's that kind of garbage I did, that however, needs to be called out. Yes. But I did, however, see a video today for the first time ever. I saw my first BLM Karen. Black Lives Matter Karen. Allow me to set the stage. I don't know the city, but there are these three white women, girls, young, maybe in their early 20s, maybe late teens, and they're cleaning graffiti off a wall. It's a BLM, and they're cleaning graffiti off the wall, and this woman pulls up, and by the way, I say BLM, Karen, I don't know if she was black or not, and she says, well, what are you doing? Well, we're, we're try- helping to clean up the graffiti. We tried over there, but we couldn't get it off, so we're trying over here. Well, why are you taking that down? Well, we're just cleaning up the graffiti. Oh, so you don't think Black Lives Matter? What? You, that, was her t- that was her response. We should leave up graffiti because otherwise you don't think Black Lives Matter, which I think is one of the biggest problems that they have. You can't, if, if Black Lives Matter is to the idea that you have black men or black people getting subjugated or abused by police indiscriminately, okay. If Black Lives Matter is a political movement that is used to silence anything and everything about something you might see in society, I'm not down. I'm not in. I'm not. I'm not going to say uh, uh, yes. Black Lives Matter. If it means I'm part of a political movement. If you ask me if your life matters, the answer is yes. Then again, the announcer for the Sacramento Kings just got fired because he tweeted out all lives matter. He got fired for saying all lives matter because that scene is demeaning to Black Lives Matter. But if you can't take off graffiti, and by the way, I think that's wrong. You can't take off graffiti. And then they're like, no, that's not it at all. That's ridiculous. And this, this woman who's in her car videotaping them says, uh, way to use your white privilege. And that's like, okay, you're dismissed. You're dismissed. You aren't part of the conversation. You're, you're not there to help anybody. You're there to destroy people. You're there to engage in moral superiority. You're there to say that these girls are somehow terrible when they're not terrible. It goes back to the idea that violence is considered not violence, but using the wrong pronoun in speech, speech is considered violence. Hate speech, right, is violent. So speech, by saying, well, what I'm saying right now and you disagreeing with it, could be seen as hate speech, but actually destroying things and engaging in in uh, all sorts of, of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, vandalism, that's totally fine. Well, again, offering me a false choice. I am not against the protest movement because I'm against breaking the law. I'm against graffiti. Right. You, you're you're, you're saying breaking I, windows. I, I have to be for broken windows and I have to be for graffiti because... It's a cause that you believe is just. So this is where I think the argument gets hurt because we know the rioters aren't black. We know this. The rioters are a mix of people. And the rioters are connected by an ideology that wants to destroy. But if you can't take off graffiti, I'm sorry. 
that's that's not going to help anything anywhere at any time. That's nonsense. Well, here's the other thing that is going to be interesting to watch. We've had other moments like this, and it died down after a short period of time. But now we're in a situation where we almost have government-sponsored protests. Oh, oh, no, I'm going to take it a different direction. You have too many politicos who won't, put, who won't speak up against it. And you have too many mayors who have decided, we'll let the city burn. It's okay. It's an appeasement move. And you're, you, if that's what you're talking about, no, you're no, right. no, 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 no. I'm talking about you have a bunch of people who are getting paid $600 by the federal government to stay home. Plus state unemployment. Normally people would have to go back to work. But now people are living quite comfortably staying at home. They can extend this protest out for a while. Normally it would peter out because people have to go back to their everyday lives. But But because of the coronavirus. You're saying the protests. And I want to make sure. And this is where it gets the confusion sets in. So I want to say three things. Number one. There is no doubt that a rioter who is getting an extra $600 a week on unemployment has more free time. The protesters, I think, are maintaining, and I have zero issue with it, because when we have seen, for example, police shootings in the past, we can argue what happened within the police shooting. We can argue if somebody was running away. We can argue if somebody was was fighting back. We can argue if somebody was attacking. When I see protesters engaging hands up, don't shoot, well, you lose me because the Holder Justice Department, Eric Holder, the former attorney general, said that wasn't true. They're talking about Ferguson and Michael Brown. Michael Brown attacked the cop. Michael Brown broke a cop's orbital socket. Michael, uh, Michael Brown went for a cop's gun and then charged at a cop, and that's when he got shot. There was no hands up, don't shoot. It's a proven lie. So when you say that, you don't, you don't have me. What I think gives them staying power that I appreciate is that we saw a guy get killed by the police. And that guy, no matter what video you look at, didn't resist, didn't fight over a $20 check or a $20 bill, whatever it was. Yeah, I want them to sustain because I want that changed. I want that changed, and I wanted to make sure that I'm crystal clear on this. I think this is going to go on because people are getting paid to stay home while we still are going through this economic turmoil i don't have a problem with the protesters what i have a problem with is the people the bad actors who are using the protesters as human shields to go and start up stuff because there is definitely you can feel it you can sense it in the air the daytime protesters who are there for a just cause and when the sun goes down and then the professionals come out who want to cause trouble. And you see the back and forth we just did? That back and forth needs to be clear. Because when it's not clear, that's when people lose their minds and things get taken out of context. And one of the groups that I think is going to feel this, I think you're going to see radio hosts who don't know how to have this conversation. You and I are both radio hosts. You and I are both podcasters. And they're they're going to not phrase properly or they're going to engage a level of tone deafness about well you you know you, you can't just say all cops are bad it's I, i'm not gonna listen to you. and then and then it's it's gonna be over you're gonna watch it happen there is a story of a radio duo in rochester new york that got fired 
for a story so crazy, I don't even know if I can say it on air. You and I would never use what they describe as the N-word. Never on air, never on podcast. Never in private. If, if, if you're watching Blazing Saddles, somebody may quote it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. By the way, Blazing Saddles, written by Richard Pryor. Um, and they think, I don't know what they were thinking. They were, they were utilizing the, the phrase N-word for the N-word to try and describe the actions of rioters or protesters. It's, they got fired that day. Because as you're looking at me right now, like, wait, what? what it's so criminally insane. And that's just it. People are, they think they're cute. They think they're smart. I always say the biggest problem with conservatives uh, is that they think they're funny. <laughs> they think they're funny and they have no sense of humor whatsoever. And they, and they try and go and make jokes and they wonder, like, why does everybody hate me? It's because you're an unfunny yutz and you don't even understand what you said. You don't even understand how bad it came across. You don't understand how ridiculous you sound. It's clear you have no way of, of connecting at all. And there are going to be people who are going to be trying to understand this all without engaging it all. Understanding it by pretend versus engaging it and being within it is going to be the thing. Well, here's the other thing, too. And I don't want to get and too inside. sometimes dumb. I don't want to get too inside baseball on this. Get inside baseball. A lot of radio hosts don't do much show prep. <laughs> Right? And so they just flip on the mic and they spitball. And they, they do. They do, do, you, do you think that? I, mean, I do. I, I, you listen to more radio people than I do. Do you think they're just talking pointing it? I, I wonder if who could think who could get together in a meeting before the show and do a show rundown and say, I got a great idea for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and but, everybody in the room go, yeah, that's gold, Jerry. Wait, wait, that's gold. I can, I can, but I can prove that this happens. Did you ever see the commercial for the mattress store that made a joke about the Twin Towers? No. Oh, my God. You have to look it up. So here's the story. It's a mattress store, and they're having a, a sale. And it's like a, like a Labor Day sale, Memorial Day sale. And they're, they're, they're talking. They're, you know, those kind of local commercials. They're being silly. And mattresses are packed, are stacked next to them. I think they're stacking up. Oh, stop it. And then they push the mattresses over. And we'll never forget 9-11. I swear to you, that happened. Now, think about this. They had to come up with the idea. Then they had to write down the script. Then they had to hire the director and get the cameras and get the lighting. And then they had to do this whole thing and record it. More than once, because you know it always takes more than one take. And then somebody had to edit it. Then they had to look at it and possibly re-edit it. Then somebody approved it. Then somebody posted it to YouTube and pressed publish. Do people come up with these ideas and think they're good ideas? But you hear but okay, that's that's a business, and you would think a business would be smarter. But everyone, for the most part, in radio is paranoid that they're going to lose their jobs next week. I cannot believe that a radio team would be like, oh, man, this is going to be killer. I do six hours a day in Indianapolis and then in, in spots around the country. And what I tell people when they're like, how do you do six hours? Well, what they'll usually say is, oh, you got a lot to talk about. I'm not paid to talk about things. 
I am paid for how I talk about things yeah. and deciding what to talk about. That's how I get paid. Right? Yeah. That's the job. How to just say something for the sake of saying it without thinking about it? The amount of time I spend, not necessarily in the prep of finding stories, but in the prep of how to deliver the story. Yeah. Not to hide it, not to not share my true thoughts. There's never a moment I'm not sharing a true thought. Right. But it, how to, to understand what it is you're talking about, to whom it is you're speaking, to how to relay it, to the message that it brings. That's the everything. So, again, I don't listen to as many people, I don't think, as, as you do. Maybe, maybe you don't listen to many. I'm not sure. But that's that's the whole gig. That's the whole. Was this like everything. a morning zoo type? No, they're two like sixty year old uh, man and woman white. It's it's. I I I read that story and I couldn't couldn't be, could not believe it. How many of our friends who listen to the show and radio right now are thinking? I wonder if that station's hiring. <laughs> Dude, can they can, can they do a couple hours in Rochester? For the record, I don't know if radio's hiring right, now. right? So yeah. this this is going to create real issues for talk radio. What's weird is talk radio ratings are through the roof. The listeners are down because people aren't in their cars, and radio is a very car intensive kind of thing. But those are listening; they're listening for for huge amounts of times so it's a very interesting thing but the advertising dollars have been down because the amount of listeners isn't there so people have been fired from radio gigs all over the place i don't think those jobs are coming back no by any stretch of the imagination it's a rough time for radio and the guys who screw this up gonna make it even worse what's crazy is it's it's we've talked for years about how exciting it is in 2020 to be a content provider but if you're in radio or if you work for a website where you see the clicks are up like crazy, yeah. but the ad revenue is down because look at the economy. Yeah. These are crazy, frustrating times. That is Fingers Malloy. Find him on Twitter at Fingers Malloy. Fingersmalloy.com for the podcast, the Enough Already podcast, the Snark Factor podcast. And of course, he's with Eat, Drink, Smoke, which you can find on Apple Podcasts. You should subscribe and write a review and leave a five-star review. Uh, do that immediately. Also, Wham Talk 1600 is where you find him in Michigan. Find me, TonyCats.com. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Twitter and Instagram, Tony Katz. That is where you find me. You should like and you should follow and you should do all the things immediately, if not sooner, and subscribe to the podcast. Eat, drink, smoke, subscribe at Apple Podcasts, write a review, leave a five-star review. Fanimation, our fantastic sponsor, really appreciate them and all that they do. Fanimation.com and Havana Cigar Lounge for being our host. HavanaCigarLounge.vip. They are absolutely fantastic. And Charlotte took care of us, and I appreciate Charlotte. Thank you, Charlotte. You're welcome. That was Charlotte saying, see, there was really a person. Her name really is, her name really is uh, Charlotte. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs>